This is the podcast by the Straits Times. Well, good afternoon, and uh, this, of course, is uh, spot on right here, Money FM eighty nine point three. If you're tuning into the uh, podcast, it's called the Game of Two Halves. We check in with our colleagues from the ST uh, Sports Desk, and today we have uh, Jonathan Wong, we have uh, David Lee, and uh, Kimberly Quack as well for this Game of Two Halves uh, podcast right here, Money FM. Well, today in the first part of the show, we're going to talk about the Brazil Global Tour that saw Brazil take on Senegal and Nigeria over the weekend at the National Stadium, as well as. Uh, Eliud Kipchoge's incredible feat of uh, running the marathon in under two hours. And we also discussed the M1 Nations Cup that will be held at the OCBC Arena uh, from the 20th of October this Sunday to the 26th of October. Well, let's kick off as always with football. A star-studded Brazilian team have just uh, played two friendlies against uh, Senegal and Nigeria at the National Stadium this past week. The turnout was less than ideal as the 55,000 seater was less than half full for both games. And there were football stars you name them, they're all there. Neymar, Roberto Firmino, Philippe Coutinho, Sadio Mane, of course. So, David, you were there. Why, why do you think so few people showed up to watch the games? First of all, I think the matches, the Brazil Global Tour was confirmed pretty late. Mm-hmm. It was only confirmed and announced last month. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there's no time. There's very short time to market the Brazil Global Tour in Singapore as well as in the region. Mm. You know, Singapore is a relatively small market compared to other football crazy nations. Whereas our neighbours, you know, Indonesia and Thailand, they have a bigger market. It would have helped. They had had more time to market in these places. Mm-hmm. But with just one, one month, it makes it hard for people from, from Malaysia, Thailand or Indonesia to plan to have a short holiday here. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one reason. Okay. And, and also maybe the poor turnout could be attributed to also spectator fatigue. Okay. You know, back back in 2014, you make a direct comparison. Brazil were last here in 2014 when they played against Japan. Mm-hmm. Back then, more than 50,000 turned up to watch them play. Mm. But also, you have to take note that in 2014, Brazil haven't been here in a while. People were curious about them. People were curious also about the new national stadium, right. which, which was just built ready in the same year. And it was a time before we had International Champions Cup, which I first took true. place in 2017. Yeah. So, you know, now football fans, in Singapore are sport for choice you know maybe some people say you know Singaporeans can't have too much of a good thing right. just in July we had the ICC with mm-hmm. Manchester United coming to town and next month we have Manchester United and Liverpool Masters, Masters yeah. coming next month so you know all, all these factors and, and there was also school exams this, oh, this month yeah. so it was really sort of an unfortunate timing for the Brazil Global Tour organisers mm-hmm. so what have you heard on the ground from the uh, tour organisers uh, what, what's their reaction what their response to the it, I haven't heard much from the organisers but from the Brazilian players they were surprised you know they they expect to play in front of a sellout yeah sellout crowd Mm -hmm. Casemiro was saying no I Surprised, you know, when we go back to our hotels, you know, there are many fans out there waiting for, for our autographs and wifis and whatnot. But, you know, it's surprised when we go to the stadium, it's half empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so organizers will, will have to think twice their strategy for future tours of, of such big teams. And maybe pricing, maybe is, is one factor as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was $49 for the cheapest tickets. Um, maybe they have to consider, you know, with so many events, activities going on. Right. Um, price point could be one one factor. Mm. That's uh, something to take note as well. Yeah. But David, do you, do you think that this will affect Singapore's reputation as a as a destination for world-class uh, sporting events? 
uh, it's definitely not a good look, you know, when when uh, this gets beamed worldwide and you see so many empty seats. Mm-hmm. But the the plus points for Singapore is that, you know, we have a good reputation. Uh, the organisation and infrastructure are there. Mm. We have such capabilities, and this is a one-off international friendly. We have had a good track record of previous world class sporting events like WTA finals, even the Formula One, even the ICC. Mm. If, you, if you're going for a direct football mm. comparison, the ICC was a success. So I think it's not a good look But it will not hurt our reputation that much Mm -hmm. Um, But organisers, like I said Have to think twice uh, their strategy They They have to consider which teams have a stronger pool in Singapore? You know, if if the likes of Neymar can't even sell tickets, you know who can? <laughs> uh, it could be it could be the Manchester Uniteds and the Liverpools because yeah. w- when we look at the crowd, you know there were many in in the red jerseys right. uh, of Liverpool. You know they were out there to to catch Firmino, they were out there to catch Fabinho, even Sadio Mane. Mm. So probably only these teams have 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 the pool or whichever team Cristiano Ronaldo plays for. You know, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. okay, well that's uh, David Lee there. Uh, Checking in on the, the Brazilian tour here in Singapore over the weekend. And of course, uh, the, the big news over the weekend is not just the Brazilian tour here in Singapore, the global tour here in Singapore, but the big news internationally was also the marathon-wise, where Kenyan Elip Kipchoge smashed a two-hour marathon barrier where he completed 42.195 kilometres in one hour, 59 minutes and 40 seconds that's in Vienna on Saturday. I mean, it's like, is it even humanly possible? That, that, that's like, you know, r- running... 2.4 km, you know, as, as NS serving men in Singapore, were 2.4 km in six minutes yeah. repeatedly for 42 km. Uh, how could that be possible? I mean, Jonathan, can you put this in context for us, please? Like David said, we did some calculations. I mean, to run the pace that Kipchoge did, you know, for 2.4 kilometers, mm. which we are all familiar with, mm. would be in six minutes, 48 seconds. <laughs> and you would have to do that 17 and a half times consecutively. Consecutively Exactly I mean <sighs> We can't even run Under 10 minutes <laughs> So can you imagine It's, it's, it's crazy I mean It's, it's um, Two hour barrier Is a very mythical thing In, in the world of athletics mm-hmm. I mean It's a very nice Round number and, and I think The first marathon That was run I think They did it in about Two hours 55 minutes mm-hmm. And that was 100 years ago Right So you, you can imagine They shaved off Third of the Entire time In this In this 100 years mm-hmm. And I think what it was was that, I mean, people all around the world, it was not just sports fans, it was not just runners who were Mm. enthralled by this feat. And it also helped, I guess, that it was streamed on on YouTube. So Mm. people were just, you know, watching watching it on the streets, you know, on their phones and then they couldn't look away. Right. Yeah, I remember someone was telling me that, you know, the last 20... Uh, last 500 meters mm. they were, she was just shouting onto her phone <laughs> you know saying hurry up you know get there you're gonna make it you're gonna make it yeah. well some some skeptics were saying that it's actually not considered a record right? there's some pacers or something who are running uh, right, together right. Yeah, you want, you want to tell us more about that it's not officially recognised because of a, a variety of factors one uh-huh. is that you, like you said there were pacers that I think there were 41 international runners mm-hmm. I mean who were world class athletes you know you had Olympic champions world champions who were part of the team mm-hmm. and they they, they broke off into groups of seven and and sort of ran in a five in front of Kipchoge and two behind to sort of keep him on track and also oh, protect okay. him from the elements. Okay. So that was one factor. Okay. The fact that there was a car in front of them, mm. an electric car, I think, that was going at a certain pace and it also sort of beamed green laser beams onto the floor in front of them so that mm. they kept 
to the correct pace and they also kept in the correct positions. Oh, okay. And even the, the route was selected carefully to make sure that it was there was very little incline. Mm-hmm. I think the weather when he started at 8.15 in Austria was 9 degrees Celsius. Mm. So yes. that was very Cooling. cool mm. as well. And there was no other competition. It was just him on the road running with his paces. So all these factors, essentially a, a science experiment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the team, that the company that backed it, Ineos, I mean, I think they spent reportedly 15 million pounds mm-hmm. to organize this entire thing. Wow. So it's a massive science experiment. And I mean, obviously, you know, he had all the conditions favorable to Kipchoge. Right. But he right. still had to run 42 kilometers. <laughs> well, he did achieve the record for sure. I mean, I mean, what do you find about interesting, what do you find interesting about athletes like, like him? You know, what, what, do you, what do you think? Right. I mean, my colleague Rohit is writing a, a column on this today. I mean, mm. you know, people like Kipchoge, people like Michael Phelps, you know, which is what we want. People who push the boundaries of what is possible. Mm. You know, for so long, no one thought that you, you could win eight gold medals at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And Michael Phelps did that in yeah. dating. Forever, no one thought you could run sub 10 seconds in 100 meters. And, you know, we've done that. Usain Bolt has def- redefined what we believe right. s- sprinters are possible. Mm-hmm. And Kipchoge, you know, I mean, it may not have been a record, but the fact that a man has it been able to do this it makes us believe that you know anything is possible sorry I, I just got mind blown by this thought that you know 42 kilometers in 2 hours this means that if he was to run from Pasiris to Bunle mm. in a traffic jam he could be faster than cars <laughs> it's, that's, it's, a, that's a good comparison that's insane that's, <laughs> that's a good comparison okay so we certainly hope that you're enjoying this uh, straight Times uh, Spot On and Game of Two Halves of course you listen to uh, Spot On Live on Money FM 89.3 and click subscribe to Gain of Two Halves on the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating as well, right? So back to the second half of our conversation with our ST Sports uh, podcasters. Uh, we're going to bring in Kimberly Quack right now. Well, Kimberly, the M1 Nations Cup, which begins uh, this Sunday, will be the final tune-up for next month's SEA uh, Games, where Singapore's uh, netball team aims to reclaim the gold medal from Malaysia. I mean, the netballers will test their skills against uh, six teams uh, understand uh, Botswana, Cook Islands, Ireland, uh, Namibia and uh, Papua New Guinea as well at the Nations Cup. So tell us, what can we expect to see from the team at the M1 Nations Cup? I think it's going to be a pretty exciting tournament for them because they're coming up against some top-level opponents. And it's the final tournament for them before the SEA Games. And they're aiming big at the SEA Games. They want to get back their goal from Malaysia. Mm -hmm. So I think this year has been a pretty intense year for the netballers because they just came back the World Cup in in July and they faced some of the world's best opponents there. And I think it's been quite a learning journey for them in terms of learning to compete at a top level Mm -hmm. and, you know, discovering where they're weaknesses are and where they can improve as well and I think the last time I spoke to them which was a few weeks ago mm. they, they seem pretty positive they are really trying to gun for that gold and also perform well at the Nations Cup mm-hmm. yeah. and, then, and what do you think of the Singapore's uh, SEA Games the gold medal chances uh, when they take on when they travel the Philippines like I was saying they seem very confident of getting the gold and they are going to face some tough competition okay. from Malaysia mm. you know Malaysia has taken Malaysia's netballers are now training full time mm-hmm. and they've also brought back their coach who guided them to the goal at the 2017 SEA Games mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah but I think despite this the netballers are training really hard like they're training six times a week now and mm. a lot of them also have to juggle their school 
and work at the same time but you know that hasn't deterred them from trying to aiming for that goal and yeah I think they seem pretty confident about it and I think they do have a decent chance at, and yeah. what do the rest of the gentlemen here feel about uh, Singapore's netball chances for the SEA Games I, I think Singapore have been trailblazers on the netball front especially in Asia mm. it's not easy for them to face uh, bigger opponents like from the African nations even from Australia New Zealand and England but they, they're giving, giving them a good run for their money and we should definitely back them uh, they, they're trying to get the gold back from our old rivals uh, Malaysia mm-hmm. but it's a good time to show our support for them you know it's held on home ground this Nations Cup while we are on the topic of poor attendances you know at, at football games I, I hope to see a good attendance a good crowd from the netball community showing up to support our own at the OCBC arena well I've been to some games before some netball games before and the support were usually yeah, very intense right. very intense you know I mean as the most competition I think especially when the arena where it's so close up you can really feel and that. it's end to end action you know mm. compared to football games you know sometimes you get one goal or not not at all netball is a sport where it's action by the minute by the second so it should be good good action this weekend so you'll be rooting for for the Singapore team uh, Kimberly yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> okay so of course the SEA Games is uh, just around the corner it's towards the end of this year and this time it's going to be held at the Philippines so I'm sure the Singapore netball netballers uh, will be all set and ready for the big competition that's coming up and of course here as well in Singapore we talk, talk about the M1 Nations Cup which is happening this Sunday all the way through so make sure you give a support as well to the team so this has been the final whistle for our sports discussion of the week we hope you really enjoyed listening to us uh, glad to have all of you in the studio today thanks uh, Bernard thank you uh, we, have, we have David Lee we've got Kimberly Quack we've got Jonathan Wongs and we certainly hope that uh, you enjoyed our podcast also our show here on Money FM 89.3was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.